It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Manu Vets. Manu, how have you been? Busy, Bryce. Very busy. Uh, I think uh, anyone who follows at Football Grad Live knows the amount of output we had over this last week. Uh, there's been a lot of football going on um, in any of the leagues that we cover, be it the Bundesliga, the Champions League. The Europa League, Liga MX, um, it's so much football. I think we just, I just said to you off the pot, it feels like all the games that we've been watching have been blurring into one, but it, it's been good times. It's, it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's kind of like breathless covering one game of the other, but that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's it. We've, we've had, well, so many games to watch, haven't we, uh, in the last week or so, but, uh, you know, games every day and games that's, are involved in the Football Grad Network uh, every day. Uh, so, yeah, lots of previews, match reports on there. There's podcasts, there's articles, there's all sorts. So, God, if, if you have a second when you're not watching football, you can certainly read about football mm-hmm. uh, via the Twitter page or the, um, I suppose, the website as well. But, yeah, always a busy man. You and that Chris Williams and the rest of the team all. Always busy. But yes, um, a little bit earlier this week, uh, the Liga MX, we've swapped it around with uh, the Bundesliga podcast, uh, the gegenpressing podcast that we'd normally do, um, because of, well, fixtures are just everywhere at the moment. But uh, let's jump into this. We've got two match days to cover, because the last time we did the podcast was just before match day seven happens. And after match day seven and eight, it means that we're halfway through the close there. Yeah. I just said a few minutes ago before we got going, uh, I can't believe we're halfway through already. Uh, that means, Manu, that the table should be starting to take, um, well, take a bit of shape. We should be seeing who's possibly going to uh, go through um, in the qualification at the top end anyway. Um, but uh, there's still plenty to play for. Manu, let's have a little look at the table. Um, what... What comes into your head when you look at it at the moment? We see all um, the teams placed out. I mean, we've got America top, Santos, Pumas, Puebla, you know, Monacos, Nicaxa, Monterrey, Cholos. That, that's the top eight anyway. What, what, what are your views and thoughts when you look at that table? Yeah, it's interesting that you said we should have an idea of where how it's going, but we really don't. <laughs> and it's because... No, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, Tigres are sitting in, in 10th and... You know that 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 is not going to be where they finish up, eh? Yeah, I was a fourth, fourth place. Um, actually, twelve uh, second placed and fourteenth uh, place are just separated by six points. That's a mental. You go yeah, you go down further the standings. I mean, between uh, Leon, yeah, between Puebla and Leon. So that's fourth to twelfth. It's just two points. Even Carretaro yeah. with one single win could jump up as high as sixth next match day. So yeah. that's just yeah. It's it's interesting. It's 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 very mixed through, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Carretaro actually have two wins, maybe. Cruz is all below them only have one. But in saying that, Veracruz are below that, and they've got two wins. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all up in the air at the moment. It's all very, very much up in the air, isn't it? Uh, you mentioned it before we came on the podcast. Um, a side that we've, we'll probably touch on, not just because they're top of the, uh, table, but 
because they're the only side that seem to have any consistency at the moment is uh, Club America. It seems like Hernandez has really steadied the ship at America when he came in the start of the uh, well, 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 the end of the summer, the, the start of everyone else's uh, league season uh, back in, in August, you know, but or July even, should I say. Uh, he seems to have steadied the ship somewhat, but they, they seem to be more consistent now than anyone else. Yeah, Miguel Herrera has done a remarkable job. Um, the, the, the question I have to Bryce is, you know, set, seven games played, 4-1, three drawn. Um, of course, by the time of this recording, we don't know how they will do against Veracruz, although I wager a bet that they're going to win that game easily. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, but even then, that's not exactly the most consistent either. Um, that's a lot of draws to start the season with. And it's, it's kind of weird that all these teams are kind of all over the place uh, in that regard right now. I mean, the, the game that I watched just before getting onto this pod review was uh, Santos against Toluca, right? And Santos had a very good start to the season. And they lost this game to Toluca um, today. So, you know, Toluca made a jump up the standings and Santos got stuck and those two teams are now just separated by two points as well. So Club America, yeah, they are maybe the most consistent team in a league that really lacks consistency at the moment. Yeah, very much so. I, I think we could pick several teams out, especially in the last two match days, um, I say seven and eight, uh, and talk about inconsistencies and... Um, yeah, I, I, I suppose the thing is with America, they're not conceding many goals. So they're, they're, they're always tight at the back under Herrera. And we, we've seen that, didn't we? Especially, um, well, th throughout the last campaign. But we, we've seen a, a distinct lack of goals, which has changed somewhat this time. I mean, 14 goals in, in the seven games is fairly positive. But conceding only five is, is, is even more positive, I feel. Um yeah, they're they're making a hell of a statement, you know, by sitting at the top of the table like this. Monterey seem a little bit hungover, don't they, after um, their loss in the uh, in the final? And and Tigres, well, have one eye on on another trophy, so that can only help them as well. But Pumas, who who we thought so were really going to push them this year, well, these last two match days, um, hmm. wow, we 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 didn't see this. Uh, didn't see this coming at all. But just before we speak about them, I mean, do you see this being Club America's uh, campaign? Do you see them, well, adding a thirteenth title? Yeah, well, it certainly looks like that now, right now, doesn't it? Um, they Miguel Herrera has to play an efficient style of football, which you highlighted, and this is actually something that we criticized in the Apertura, right? That the fact that they didn't have goal scoring. Um, even though they were very good and tight defensively, they didn't have the, the, the goal scoring. Um, and I think that's something that they s slightly took care of. I mean, I'm very curious to see how they're going to do tonight, but I, I would suspect that they're going to win this game handily. And then they have that highest scoring team in the league as a result, right? So, um, goal scoring also, I mean, look at their last performance against Monacas, Bryce. That was, I mean, that's, that's as perfect as it go. For, for any game against a side that's very good. Um, winning 4-1, 3-1 at halftime. And, um, this was a game, you know, that, that's maybe one of those statement games, um, for a side like Miguel Herrera's side. And the interesting thing is, guess who had more possession in this, in this game, uh, Bryce? Oh, no way. I mean, <laughs> I mean, America always have more possession, don't they? Yeah. They didn't in this one. And oh, wow. There's so, possession watch hit already. Yep. We, we got that one checked off the list. Yeah. And, uh, Mateos Arribe scores, scored two. Cecilio Dominguez scored one. Uh, Jeremy Mendes without a goal, but he was good. Um, it was solid. And to defeat a side like Monarchas that I think we secretly all kind of fans of Monarchas, aren't we on this podcast? That's, that's a big statement. And I mean, I look at some of these numbers. Just outstanding. Um, they really, despite having less possession, they really played Monarchas off the park. And that's, that's for me, it's a huge statement game and, uh, maybe a sign of things to come for the rest of the season. 
Yeah, that's a that that's a massive win, isn't it? A massive statement. Um, Monaco's we, we were commending not so long ago just um, how consistent they've been, and somewhat of a surprise. I mean, uh, last campaign they they ended ended out in fourth. You know, unfortunately the knockout uh, phase, like yeah, wasn't too kind to them. Uh, they didn't play very well during it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, they've been a real surprise package. And for America to come in and take them apart like they did, you know, that that that's really is something incredible. And I think we'll be a little bit surprised if Veracruz get anything out of their match tonight. They are at on their home turf, but, you know, it's, and times are very tough for them. You know, the, things are looking pretty pretty bleak when it comes to a relegation for them. But I... I I can't really see them them winning this one, and then then America next time out, you're are taking on Cholos, so you know you can see them winning that game as well. So yeah, think things are looking very very good, you know. Yeah, always um, you know a Herrera on the sideline, you've you've got the fireworks, don't you? You know the madness, but he, he seems to do an awful lot with players on a man to man basis, and he's a very good coach. He gets them strong, and he gets everyone pulling in the right direction. And yeah, I I could see this being their year if they keep this up. Tigres, as we said on the last podcast, and probably the podcast before that, and probably the podcast before that, that they can sit around that position of ninth, tenth, eleventh. Then in the final few weeks, they they like to just turn it on, don't they? But um, yeah, at the moment, America the side to beat. Um, but let's talk then a little bit um, about your preferred side in Pumas. I mean, on the last podcast, we were saying about how things were looking so good. They were sitting at the top of the table, but these last two match days didn't quite go as planned, did they? Yeah, uh, I I had the pleasure to watch both of those games. And um bit unfortunate against Veracruz um, to, to lose that game. I guess losing to Veracruz these days is just bad news, period, right? Um, not something that should happen. And um, when David Cabrera got that, that, that goal to bring him back with a one, I, I thought that they, they're going to win it somehow, but it just didn't, didn't happen for them. And I mean, um, Pumas had 64% possession in this game, which already says quite a lot about it. Um, they outshot Veracruz. Um, they had 13 to 8 shots inside the box. Um, you know, so it wasn't for a lack of trying. It just, just didn't happen. And they were just, just, you know, the, the, the big goal scorers, Castillo and, um, the, the support crew, his support crew of, um, you know, Alustiza and Barrera and Galado and um, they all just it just didn't click for them and um, that can happen I guess um, it can happen against a small side that just likes to sit back and defend and um, I, I had this down as pretty much an accident and then uh, you know the, on this match day and um, this is maybe an even bigger shock that 4-1 defeat to do Holos. And I mean, of course, that Tijuana is a difficult place to play. Um, we had Cesar Hernandez on, right? A few weeks ago and uh, um, talk about Holos and of how well run side they are. And it's it's kind of odd because it started so well for them with the, the early Castillo strike and then Holos just took this match over and just yeah, completely took Pumas apart and um, the interesting thing for me now will be is whether Pumas are found out you know if they if they had a strong start we have seen this before last year right where they had a strong start to the Clausura and then just completely the wheels came off off the side and they were found out and um, didn't make the Liguela so the question is now of course what will be the consequences of these two games can they can they be able to pull themselves together get the three points to sort of stem the tide. And of course, it's it's going to be an interesting one for them next match day against Chivas. Maybe our ma- match to watch next week because uh, Chivas are, of course, on another side that have been struggling quite a bit. And uh, Chivas are also in midweek action. So I think this is going to be one that Pumas pretty much have to win in order to just steady, make ensure that this doesn't become endemic. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. You know, 
all of a sudden, you know, if they lose to Chivas or or even a draw, you know, it could set them back a little bit. They're still in a pretty good position within the league, but um, Chivas coming off the back of two draws, one with Kerataro and one Pachuca. Um, I w- would imagine that Pumas will be a little bit disappointed if they're not able to take three points against Chivas, with Chivas really have been quite poor in this, uh, in well, now close to a a year, I suppose, or or eight months anyway. They've since winning the title, they've they've been very poor, haven't they? Um, I mean, we, we mentioned before, didn't we, that you know with Chivas, I suppose you rose the question uh, before um, actually coming onto the pod. Uh, if we just talk about Chivas a little bit, Manu, um, do you think that Almeida should be kept in his job there, um, or or do you feel that? You know, he's the problem, or basically, if if he leaves, the whole thing falls apart. I mean, what what's your opinion? Sorry to jump from Pumas to Chivas, but just while this is fresh in my head. Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, I think the 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 better question is, will Ma- will Matias Almeida stay at Chivas? How long is he going to deal with the the issues there? Um, I saw an interesting stat. Um, from the match against Pachuca, they had a 71% ball possession and 22 to 8 shots against Pachuca and the result was 1-1. Uh, that's frustrating. I mean, that's very frustrating. It's, uh, it's sometimes, sometimes things are just not happening for your side, right? And, um, I think the, the frustrating thing is about managing Chivas, um, is there, it's the very the philosophy that they have as a side that you're very limited in bringing in players right to to set up your squad because of the Mexican only rule so you the, the squad that you have is the squad that you get it's very similar to athletic Bilbao in in the Basque country right a side that only allows to use Basques um, even further limited than that than Chivas right and um, it's a team like Chivas that fluctuates from the good to bad um, very quickly because if you lose one or two players, it's harder to replace them. And every time you have a golden generation, it's, it's very hard to keep that golden generation together because you can basically just work with your players from your from that nationality. So it's it's a great philosophy. I, I actually think it's a really something neat and something historical that, that it needs to be preserved. But if you are a head coach and you're basically saying, "Oh, we could bring in this guy," and you see all these other teams making adjustments, like Club America, for example, brought in Menes, Tigers go out and sign players from all over the world. Um, we talked about Holos and the what was the 17 players they signed in the two, last two transfer windows. Um, that's something that Chivas is a luxury that Chivas don't have. And I can see as a head coach, you, you it can be very frustrating to deal with this. And I've seen this come up a couple of times now with people that I talk online about this, um, that they're saying, well, the question actually is not whether um, Chivas are going to let go of Matias Almeida. The question is, how long is Matias Almeida uh, going to have the patience to deal with this? Because he's obviously a talented coach. He's worked very well. He's won several titles with this club, right? Um, and the question is, how long is he going to deal with these issues? You know, we're talking about a coach that won the Liga MX in 2017 with the Clausura, and he won two back to like won two um, Copa MX titles, one in the Upper Tour 2015 and one in the Clausura 2017. So the question is for me, um, how how long is he going to deal with this? And I think. That is that is something um, that we kind of have to look out for because obviously Matias Almeida, I think it, it was you mentioned it even Bryce that he was already um, mentioned when it came to a bunch of coaching positions in La Liga, for example. Yeah, absolutely. He was uh, previously in the summer. He was linked to a few clubs um, in, in Italy and Spain, um, and more or less brushed them off. He wasn't particularly interested. I have a feeling that he thinks that he's still got um, a site uh, and a project that that he would like to um, take forward and and achieve more with them. But you know, I suppose you know after a few transfer windows, maybe don't go the way you'd like them to, and results start to go against you. You know, eventually, as you said, it it does get a little bit frustrating to to keep taking these results, and 
you know, eventually it's very, it becomes an easy decision to go, I'm done. I'm done with this. I, I can't do it anymore. It, it's, was it, it comes down to whether he thinks we'll change, uh, and whether he thinks that he can change things as well, maybe on, on the pitch, you know? So it is a tricky one. I, I feel that Almeida is a very talented coach. Uh, I think I'd be disappointed for them to lose him and also for the league to lose him. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one. If he left, things could go very sour for Chivas if it is if he is the one holding them together. I mean, if you look at the relegation table, yes, they're safe from relegation, but they're they're sitting in, in 11th in that table, and they and they won a championship last year. I mean, and you look at the the players that they've got, you know, the supporters that they've got, uh, and the coach that they've got, and you go, they shouldn't be this low. You know, they really should. They're they're better than this. And then then you look at the the Clausera table as well, and you know, they're they're sitting down in sixteenth. You know, nine goals, you know, scored, which, which isn't too bad. But you're conceding fourteen, you know, and only one one. I mean, it it doesn't make for pretty viewing, really, does it? So, I I really feel that they they missed out on the opportunity to uh, get Carlos Vela or or, or one of these uh, Mexicans. You know, maybe even Chicharito. They they needed to make that marquee signing, especially in the striking position. You know, to to really you know dig them out of these situations. You need someone that's going to get you goals, don't they? We, we look at Pumas, and you know Pumas looked poor for quite a long time, didn't they? But they always had Castillo, you know, up top, and when he was playing, he would get them goals, and and that makes such a big difference. Monaco, so obviously a, a different beast altogether. They're a very strong side, but they've got Rui Diaz up front, and when things were going poorly this time last year, you know, he, he rescued them, didn't he? He got them into a position of going to La Guia, and I, I feel that's, yeah, that, that, mm. this is... That was maybe a missed opportunity by them, and they should have pulled out the stops because, as you said, they can only sign Mexicans, which does limit them massively. And I suppose some sides may hold them to um, ransom in that way. Yeah, apparently the, the they tried to sign three players in, in the winter, and the deal didn't go through um, for various reasons. That, that's something that Matias Almeida spoke on, spoke about, and published in in, in Goal.com. Um, the other news is, I guess, that the, um, the, the owner of, of Chivas, uh, Jorge Vergara, uh, said that there is no plans to replace Matias Almeida. Um, he actually tweeted this out in an official Twitter and then uh, I'll translate this. Um, the sports project Chivas is planned with solid basis. Um, we trust, um, Almeida and there are no miracles. Patience is, patience is the, is necessary. Um, to build the project. Um, that's all I have to say about it. And, um, yeah. And then we were, we're not, we're denying everything that we are replacing the coach. So they have no intention of replacing him. Um, it seems, which makes sense. But yeah, that, that gets us back. Uh, although there's also an argument to be made every time the owner or the, the sporting director or whatever says that. We have full trust in the head coach. The days are numbered, right? <laughs> that's, that's... <laughs> yeah, that happens all too often, doesn't it? Uh, so uh, I, I would be, you know, if that came out and I was Almeida, I'd be thinking, oh, crap. Yeah. I'd be thinking, I've got to win our next game. Yeah. You know, so it's it, it's very tough time for them. Manu, you said that they've got um, some midweek action. Yes, they do. I mean, this is... Um... They are the champions of Mexico, right? So they are in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, we have some of the, the games actually pre- previewed on footballgrad.com. So, um, these will be on Football Cidage, um, the, one of the, of the underpages of footballgrad.com, of course. And they are in, uh, the Dominican Republic, Bryce, um, playing Shibao FC. Um, we previewed the CONCACAF Champions League. I I think in January, if I'm not mistaken, we had a big preview with Oleg Duxbury. Um, He's busy watching Swedish football, if you're wondering. He's a a Swedish specialist, (laughs) in case you're wondering who he is. He'll be back next week. No worries. Um, He said he will watch all the CONCACAF Champions League games um, to make up for his absence. So um, anyhow, 
so that's that's an interesting one because um they are saying that they will actually focus on this league quite a bit which is something that we've of course seen all too many times right with pachuca being the example last season and no pachuca despite being the, the the title defender you do not automatically qualify for the the champions league the following champions league it's a bit complicated um not going into too much detail how it works but yeah they're not in it but she was saying that this is a title that they want to win so uh, I almost wonder um, what, how, and what kind of team they will field out when they are in the Dominican Republic, um, which is of course an odd one. You you fly a long way, uh, you play against a side that, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I had to bring up the Wikipedia page to even know where they are. Um, yeah, you're not <laughs> alone on this. You're definitely not alone. On this. I I think, and I mean, I I do follow Concacaf, but I. Th- think even the biggest CONCACAF experts struggle with this and it doesn't help that Chibao FC were only founded three years ago so <laughs> this is this is um, a side that, that that's a that's a short Wikipedia page I would imagine you'd be surprised <laughs> someone at the club was very busy to put in as much as possible um, but yeah I can only imagine that they will absolutely destroy the site and uh, so I my question almost is how are you going to deal with this, right? Are you going to put it all in on the CONCACAF Champions League? Because remember, it's travel. Um, travel is involved, flying back and forward, long distances, uh, climate differences too. Um, Guadalajara is a lot more temperate than the Dominican Republic, right? So how do you deal with that? Um, you're going to play on a pitch. Uh, you know, this is not the UEFA Champions League we're talking about. This is not three-star stadiums with carpets of pitches although we've seen today in an example that doesn't happen in the big leagues all the time either uh, we'll talk about this tomorrow right Bryce um, but you know this is this is not going to be an ideal situation for for achievers to get into and I'm curious to see how they're going to deal with this because there's going to be a lot of travel a lot of climate change a lot of playing against teams that um going to hoof the ball and go flying to tacklings with referees that are not exactly up um, to the standard either, so I'm really curious how this is this is going to go for them and how are they going to approach this? Are they going to like maybe send some of the second string players to the old Shibao FC uh, to get a result next weekend, or are they going to go all in to win the Concacaf Champions League title? That's going to be really curious to watch. Yeah, very much. I mean, I suppose they might um, they might just put everything into you know the the your continental uh, competition, I suppose, because um, they're they're not. I mean, are they going to qualify for the Ligia? They they could, you know. It's it's a far gone or a far gone conclusion, but I, I think Almeida would quite like to get this uh, this title, if I'm honest, and and that's probably the same with uh, uh, with Tigres as well, you know, taking their eye. Away from the uh, domestic league, I, I, I'm being honest, Manny. I've, I've tried to get up the Dominican Republic league just to see where uh, Chipao are, but I'm not having very much luck. So I may, I may have to come back to you when I, I've studied that a little bit more. But um, let's talk a little bit. Oh, I want to go back to it. I know I took us away from Pumas, but uh, that Pumas uh, loss um, against Nakaxa, the the three nil uh, loss. I feel that we have to talk a little bit about uh, Roberto Alvarado, the 19-year-old winger who um, had a hell of a game, uh, two assists, and I, I mean, amongst other stats, were very impressive. Uh, Manu, who is this kid? Yeah, he is. There's an interesting Twitter homepage called uh, Mexicans to Watch, I think it's called. Um, and they highlighted him. And I mean, they highlighted him rightfully so. He had two assists, 24 passes. He won seven uh, seven duels uh, in in this game. Um, yeah, I mean, Nikaxa is an interesting one because we don't often talk about them, right, Bryce? We have a couple teams that we um, tend to ignore a little bit, and uh, I apologize to to all Nakaxa fans out there. We'll, we'll, we'll make we'll try to be better at it. But this kid is, I mean, he was outstanding, um, really just fantastic, one of the best uh, players on the pitch, and to to play like that, um, 
against one of the best sides in the league. Uh, you know, this is um, the Srinal win against Monterey, right? Where he was just fantastic. And I think that you see more and more young players coming out of this league that just get highlighted uh, a little bit more because the the Twitter community that we are very much involved in the Liga MX Twitter community is pointing out more and more of these players and then you see them and you think wow this kid has really something added and this is this is something that you know we talked about last week with the Porto for example going into Liga MX to try to scout these players and find them and uh, I think we're going to see more of that and um, Roberto Alvaro actually had tries um, in 2014 with Manchester United and Sunderland. So this is a player who's already on the radar with some of the big European sides. And I'm really curious to see how he, how he's going to get on, um, you know, in his career. But we, I think we need to talk about this game in general, Bryce, because the Monterey are another one that's kind of been raising eyebrows for us, right? Because yeah. they've been just I, I, poor. Yeah, I... I couldn't agree more. Sorry, guys. I mentioned that uh, Nakaxas were playing Pumas. I think thinking Monterey and saying the wrong side. But uh, yeah, Monterey. It's 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 hard to know what's going on there as well. Just when we thought that they had resolved uh, a few issues that they had had from a, a hangover in that final, uh, a final that they were favourites for, and then uh, ended up uh, throwing it away. Um, I I don't really know what's going on there either. I really thought going into these match days that they would have uh, would have yeah hit the ground running and you know picked up another six points, but it wasn't quite the case. I mean, Nakaxa, we've always said, have we, that um, you know they're punching above their weight uh, last campaign and this one, but um, Monterey now sit below them in the uh, table, but only down to a goal difference, but. Yeah, it's it's not really been as consistent, and I feel it hasn't been as they haven't been as strong at the back uh, for me um, compared to what they they were previously. I, I don't really know. I, it feels a bit harsh to maybe say that they've been found out. I don't think that's been the case just yet, but it's hard to explain, isn't it, Manu? That they, they've shown inconsistencies, just like well, as as we said, majority of the league. I was actually just going to say, maybe they have been found out. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe they have. It's, it's hard to know. Um, um, teams are giving them the ball. This is, this is something that, um, maybe we've been raving too much about them on, on podcasts. Uh, the fact that they like to spring on the counter attack. Um, but teams have been giving them the ball and say, like, here, look what you can do with it. Cause guess how much ball possession. Uh, Monterey had in this game, Bryce. Oh yeah, well I've I've just looked that up as you've said it, and yeah, fifty nine. Yeah, yeah, and and they had less shots, so somebody's Monterey them. Yeah, someone's Monterey them, and this has been something that we've noticed now a few times. So I think the the, the way you can you can counter a counter team is by basically sitting deep. Uh, and letting not letting them counter you right um you you basically giving them the ball you're sitting deep yourself you um you you be very disciplined about your approach um and you try to hit them yourself with very fast players and this is basically what a lot of these teams have been doing and if you have players like the roberto alvado um who we highlighted who are fast talented can really spring forward on the attack, um, then you you're in trouble if you if you play like this. If you if you try if you if your entire philosophy is set out on playing counter football and all of a sudden you're having fifty nine percent percent of the ball and you're sitting deep in the opposition's half, right? With all these fast players like your Avilas Hardo, right? Your Funes Mori, your Pabon, all these guys that that like to come like to come at you at speed and all of a sudden um you're deep in the opposition's half passing the ball around and they they they're letting you too right because they don't want you they don't want you to spring them on the counter attack then that's very difficult then all of a sudden it's about breaking down and a tightly organized defense and this is maybe these this is you're saying 
Well, you were saying you know, maybe it's too early to say that they were found out. I actually might argue that's exactly what has happened. They have maybe been found out, right? So this is this is something that Antonio Mohammed, um, his next task is, and this is always what happens when you develop sites. The next step is then okay. Well, I guess we're now going to be the team that's bossing every other team. But how are we going to deal with having fifty to sixty percent ball possession? How are we going to handle the fact that the opposition is going to sit deep and going to hit us on the counter attack? Right? How are we going to handle those things? And I think this is something that's really the next step for them if they want to become that eminent side and win a league title. Yeah, I think you made a good point. Um, maybe, maybe touching on whether they have been found out. Um, we look this week, obviously, they had much more possession, didn't create the chances that they had. Uh, they played, uh, Cruzazul previously, uh, or prior to that, it, it was true all. Cruzazul did the same, give them the ball, um, to the same effect, you know, it, they produced, oh, well, they, they still produced chances, but um, I, I suppose they, they produced a less effective, um, performance, because they were very critical, um, before, weren't they? Or, or clinical, sorry, not critical, very clinical. And, and they just managed to kill them with that by giving them too much of the ball. Before that, they they lost to Toluca, but the, that was an early sending off. So Toluca completely dominated them. Uh, but then, if you go back to even the the twenty first of January or twenty first of January in Europe, it was anyway. Uh, Monterey drew with uh, with Tijuana, and that game uh, was nil nil. And once again, Tijuana give them the ball. So. So as you said, it, it, it's the making of a good coach if you can come up with a, a, a way to to win games and be very convincing with it. But it's only a matter of time before you get found out. And the making of a coach is to to get your head around that and show that you've got a plan B that you you can adapt to a different way. It's when you see a one-dimensional coach is when if they start to lose a lot of games. Because they they can't they can't do that and everyone sits back and defends against them, that that's going to be really quite difficult. Um, yeah, the next games in, against Atlas and I, I have a feeling that they're going to be rather happy to um to be taking them on. How do you feel, Manu? I mean, Atlas have been rather poor as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is this is a game obviously that Monterey have to win. Um, it's Curious, curious what's going on with Atlas. I mean, when you look at the, the standings, um, if you take the, the full season this year, this season, um, then Atlas would be in relegation trouble if, if they ever changed the relegation promotion, right? As we talked last week, one of the options could be to change it to a full season and have the two, two bottom teams of the full season go down rather than, um, having this complicated mode with the last three seasons. And Atlas would be a prime candidate for relegation if it was. In this case, but even, even without, um, a rule change, when you look at the, the relegation table right now, Atlas is 16th in that standing. So if they don't turn yeah, around that, soon, they are sooner or later going to run into trouble. Well, I, th- I think in recent weeks, they've been looking over their shoulder, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Well, it's getting really close. Um, well, as close as it really can get. I mean, you look at Veracruz and they are so low in that standing that it's really hard to imagine them not, um, not dropping down. If there is promotion relegation still in place by the time the season ends, we don't know, right? Because there is actually no update on promotion and relegation and how it's going to, how it's going to, um, work out for next year. But, um, Right now, if there is promotion and relegation, or the other example is if there's one of those six teams that uh, can get, get, can promote it from Asensio, right? There's, it's limited to a, a handful of teams really that can go up that fulfill the licensing. Um, the, the question is, of course, if that scenario comes in, I don't think Veracruz are going to have enough points at the end of the year. But it, I think that what is really important right now is, um, what will happen next year, right? Because then you get in a new side, uh, if Veracruz are eliminated, that, um, all of a sudden Atlas could be right into that relegation zone. Um, and 
Um, they need to turn things around. They need to collect points for the long term, really, at this point. Yeah, exactly. This is the way it works with the League MX, isn't it? I mean, we we talk about the pros, the cons all the time with the way the league is set up, whether it's relegation or whether it's you know, a long season or whatever. It, it means that when it comes to relegation, you don't get to the end of the campaign and go, oh, thank God, that's over. Mm. You know, you, you start off, you know, in a pretty bad position. You know, you're you're already defeated. Um, going into the next campaign, you know, uh, if if you do really have a bad one, I mean, I suppose if, if we look at the relegation table, if Veracruz do drop down, you know, it, it's very much between Lobos, Atlas, and the likes of uh, Carataro, all dependent on how their, their season ends, you know, but those three teams are going to really have to start off and have a, a strong campaign next time round, and yeah, it, it, that that might be also one of the the pitfalls of the uh, league setup as well. I mean, Manu, do you think that it's a a pitfall, or do you think that you know? Do you think you should start into the next campaign with a clean slate as you've survived, or or do you think you should pay the consequence of being so poor in the last campaign? What is without a doubt that the relegation promotion relegation needs to change. I, I like the idea um, proposed by La Volpe. That you just go, you take the full, you know, you, you keep, you keep the league split between Apertura and Clausura, but then you take the overall standing of those two leagues and the two bottom teams go straight down. No questions asked. Uh, I think that's, that's the cleanest way of doing it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that that would be a much simpler way as well. It would also save us getting our calculators out each time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but, um, yeah, let, let's let's move on from Atlas. Um, they'll be hoping yeah they can get a win over an inconsistent Monterey side. Uh, they're in a desperate need for victories, aren't they? Um, let's speak a little bit about Leon. Let's be on Leon, eh? Uh, <laughs> they've been rather entertaining, and everyone wants to know um, whether Landon Donovan is some type of uh, I don't know media push by them or you know. It, to get publicity to the to the club, or or whether he's going to be anything more. Manu, what what exactly is going on with Leon at the moment? They're sitting in twelfth. Yeah, it's it's a good question. Uh, I think I mean the the the, the problem has been um, that they have been inconsistent, like everyone else. Um, midweek game a five one loss to Santos Laguna. Um, ouch, that's. That's bad. Uh, that's real yeah. bad. But the uh, result after wasn't really much better either. Yeah, no, it wasn't either. And that's that's the thing. Um, maybe really quickly point out that Janini got a hat trick in that game. Janini watch hashtag Janini, Janini watch. watch. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got three goals in that game. Um, and then of course the one-one draw against Kerchau. Um, not a horrible result, but also not a great result, right? And the question, of course, is when you get results like that and you're competing for getting into the Liguela, is there really time to play a guy um, like Landon Donovan who's come back from his second sabbatical? or Actually, I think it's third sabbatical. And um, give him the necessary playing time that you need, you know, to to get gain match fitness. Um, That is really... That's really the question um, f- for me um, when when you think about that. I mean, this is a 35-year-old player and um, who just comes in mid-season, has to get used to a new league, has to get used to new surroundings, I'm not sure how good his Spanish is. So how do you integrate someone like that? How do you give him playing time and at the same time don't make this entire thing Turn to a circus. Uh, I think those are those are important questions, and it's and difficult questions to answer, really. Yeah, very much so. And I, I suppose you're you've made a good point that they've just been as inconsistent as anyone else at the moment. Um, 
Do you see them making the the gear? You know, Bryce, I think right now there's there's a whole pack of teams that could make it. But uh, the the problem that I see is so I think the likes of America, Santos Laguna, um they have it pretty much nailed down. Then you have Tigers coming from the back, right, that we know that they're going to turn it on at some point. So they they're going to make it for sure. Monterey will make it for sure. I think Tijuana will be in it. I believe Pachuca will probably be in it too. Eventually, you know, they're just playing too good football to to not make it. And that will leave it very little room for a club like Leon to, to break in and uh, make the Liguela. Um that said, I mean they did make it last time around. So um it's just so wide open. I mean, Bryce, look at this table. It's just, it's just so hard to make any predictions right now when it comes to that. Um, it's so tightly packed together with so many teams that can still make it. And I, yes, can they make it? But is the problem is, do you, do you risk integrating a 35 year old American, former American national team player, um, into the squad? Uh, do you risk disturbing the, the chemistry, right? Well, I, th- I think it's okay, isn't it? You know, if if you're winning games, if they're mm. sitting at the top of that table, you know, comfortably winning their games, you can bring them on for the last 20 minutes. It's fine, you know. Or yeah. you can start them a game against the likes of Atlas if you're at home or whatever. That you know, and, and you really fancy it, and you're in a good position. That's fine. But at the moment, I mean, these two last match days, I mean, he was an new sub in both of those matches, and. You know, Donovan used to be the type of player that, you know, would really change a game. You know, even when he played in the Premier League in England, you know, and, you know, you'd see that when he came on, he was lively. You know, he, he was running around. He was creating chances. He he, he was always a goal threat. Um, I, I mean, in these two games, that that's the type of player that they possibly would have needed back in the day, but... I don't know whether the coaching staff are maybe looking at him in training and just saying, yeah, he isn't the player he, he used to be. You know, he's a bit slower. He's not up to pace. He's, he's just not up to it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't see much from him on a footballing um, side of things in training, but they feel obliged to have to play him because of the name and because of the viewing figures. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe they'll start him, you know, next game. Maybe he'll get goals. Maybe he'll turn their season around. But I, I just don't know. I, there's something about those two games not being that positive. Obviously, getting hammered by by Santos, and then drawing Carataro, and not turning to him to change the game around. That's you know, it it, it really sends out you know some. Uh, some warning signs, I think, as to what the coaches maybe think about him there. Yeah, I think so. I think that that really nails it down. And remember what a game changer he used to be for both the national team and um, for any side that he played, and that's just gone. I, I think that yeah. the, I mean, you can't just come back from a sabbatical, and I think that that's just going to happen in a matter of weeks. I, I think if. You, Maybe later on in the season if he gets his legs back, but the, the problem is that are taking all these breaks. And this is, this is the thing. This would have been his first return to professional football. That's something completely different, but he is, he's now taking breaks twice from football before this one, right? So it's just at some point you just lose. There's something that just gets lost a little bit, I think. And, um, the game has gotten so much faster in the last few years too. And then you deal with all these other things that you have to deal with in, in Mexican football. So I'm just not sure it's still there for him. No, I, I, I think I, I may agree with you on that one as well. And yes, just before we move away from uh, Liga MX uh, ever so slightly, um, I'd just like to commend a uh, Dizini as well. Uh, Dizini Watch, as uh, we've been promoting the hashtag, um, managed to get um, a hat-trick, as you said, uh, Manu. That puts him up to 10 goals in this campaign. That is really something phenomenal, isn't it? But um, let's talk about the teams uh, midweek, the, the sides that are going to go into the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, we've got America, Tigres, 
uh, Cholos and Chivas uh, playing midweek. Um, Manu, do you think that this will be a, a distraction for them? We, we mentioned that for Chivas, they may tend to focus on this. Um, and Tigres as well. What about Cholos and uh, America? I mean, America go into it in a very strong position, don't they? Sitting um, top of the table. Uh, we mentioned also that they're playing late tonight after this podcast away to Veracruz. Uh, and then, yeah, playing again uh, on Wednesday. And they have the toughest opponent of all the Liga MX sides with Deportivo Saprissa. Maybe Deportivo Saprissa, the only team not from MLS or Liga MX that could could go deep into this competition. Um, I think, I think you named, named with Tigers and Chivas, you named two sides that are going to take this very serious. Um, Tigres publicly so said so, and Chivas have publicly said so too. Club America have won this competition, but then at the same time, who goes into a competition and says, we want to lose this one, right? No team ever does this. So, um, I think, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how, all of these teams approaching this midweek fixtures. Um, I mean, Tijuana has it a little, has it the easiest because the game from uh, Montagua was, was moved, right? Um, because of the trouble in Honduras. So this game is actually taking place in Texas. So it's, it's not a huge travel for them. So they will probably have it the easiest. Um, and then Club America probably have it. I mean, it's, it's, Pretty, it's a pretty straight flight from from Veracruz down to Costa Rica. But at the same time, you know, Sunday or Wednesday can be a bit tougher. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting how they're all approaching it. To to be fair, I think for some of the teams, I could see Tijuana playing the B string uh, for this one because they know that they're going to get a result against Motagua no matter what. Uh, Club America have to be a bit more careful because Deportivo Saprissa could hurt them. Um, same with Tigres, actually. Herigiano is a, is a good side out of Costa Rica as well. And then Chivas, well, they're playing Chibao for the Dominican League. I've actually found a table prize. Um, they're first there after. Oh, okay. After uh, how many games? After 17 games. So. Oh, okay. Um, not, I can't tell you much more than that about them. I, I just don't know. Uh, the game will be on on Facebook. So if you're really curious about Chibawa FC from the Dominican Republic, founded three years ago, current champion, um, that will be the one for you to watch. But I personally think you should probably tune in on Wednesday for Deportivo against uh, Club America. I think that'd be the most exciting game because it could be a game um, that's... That's a slightly higher tempo, more interest with a bit more even spread out, um, you know, when it comes to strength on each side. And Manu, will all the uh, CONCACAF Champions League games be on Facebook? Well, I'm not 100% sure. I know that uh, the Colorado-Toronto FC game is on TSN here in Canada. So I don't think that game is on Facebook. So I just suggest go on the CONCACAF Facebook page um, or CONCACAF.com um, and all the, the schedules, the the games, etc. they're all on there. And I believe some of the games are actually streamed on CONCACAF.com too, but that can all be found there. Well, actually, uh, two of the teams that we mentioned uh, that will feature in the CONCACAF Champions League uh, midweek uh, will be playing each other next week as well in Club America against Cholos. So, mm. Quite interesting whether they'll be uh, just having a little eye on that game as well coming up. But uh, man, I think that more or less does it for this week. I feel we need to point out the games to tune into or or or, or of interest um, ahead of uh, next week's uh, League MX. We mentioned one before, didn't we, in Pumas uh, taking on Chivas. And that actually for the UK uh, viewers uh, falls kindly because it's at 6pm on Sunday. So... Um, yeah, once all the uh, Premier League games are on, or Bundesliga games on, or or whatever else um, leagues that you're into, I would advise you to go onto YouTube and check that out. That should be a, a fascinating game, shouldn't it? You know, the game of the week is actually very kind for all UK listeners. Um, fantastic game to get into. Six, yeah, six p.m. Beautiful. Um, ten p.m. ten a.m. kickoff. West Coast. Uh, 1 p.m. kickoff East Coast uh, if you're in the United States or in Canada. 
So this is this is a great one. Um, just a fantastic game to get into. I think the other game that I want to point out is Club America against Tijuana. You kind of mentioned it already. It'll be interesting to see how they're going to approach this. Um, but I think, Bryce, my game of the week is Tigris against Monacas. Yeah, I was going to say that, that that's a hell of a game. So in the UK, unfortunately, you're going to be watching that one at uh, 1 a.m. But you, mm. may have, you may be back from the pub and just want some extra football. You'll match the day or that could be over. But um, that should be a fascinating game as well. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely my game you, of the week. You know what? Uh, at 11 p.m. actually on the uh, on the Saturday, uh, quite an interesting game is going to be happening in Lobos taking on Veracruz, the two teams right down at the bottom of the uh, relegation table. Uh, if, if Lobos were to beat Veracruz as well, like that, that would be a real mm. six-pointer, as they would say. Um, and if Atlas can maybe take a swap at you know, a rather inconsistent. Uh, Monterey, you know, things could be looking even more impossible uh, for Veracruz because they already look pretty bleak at the moment, don't they? Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, do you know, do you know it would be fantastic if they could reenact what uh, Monarchas did last year, you know, and have that one game to get into the, it'll ever see them get into the Ligia or get relegated right at the end. But I think they're going to have to go on a hell of a run before they could produce that. Oh, dear. Oh, it's not impossible, Bryce. It's only four no, it's points from, it's from the... Oh, yeah. And, I mean, they did pick up um, a massive three points against Pumas midweek. So the, the everything with, is possible. Yeah, we've got to remember as well that Lobos, um, obviously, were fresh to the league um, as of last summer. And this means that as it goes down to an on average, um, over the last three years, that they're only on average over this last, uh, well, last two campaigns. So, actually, if uh, Veracruz could beat them as well, their averages, whether they win or whether they lose, is somewhat higher because they've played less games, isn't it? So, mm. so this would be a hell of a victory for Veracruz if they could um, come out on top of this one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, or it could be a hell of a defeat if they don't win this, then they're in real big trouble. Well, that's it. You can look at it either way, I suppose. But that more or less does it for our podcast uh, this week. Um, I hope that you enjoyed it. And yeah, try and get in touch as much as you can via Twitter. We we appreciate any questions or topics that you feel that you'd like us to cover. Um, you've obviously got the one one more game to watch, which may have taken place by the time you're listening to this. But uh, midweek games in the CONCACAF Champions League will be happening as well if you want more mexican football um guys anything else that you would like to um read up about or check into head over to uh, football grad live we've got football from all over the world so whether it's match reports previews whether it's just interesting articles as well we've we've got so much content on there all the time thanks to uh, manu and the rest of the team um so so head over there and if you've enjoyed the podcast uh whether it's this one or one of the other ones please head over to itunes and give us some uh positive feedback we'd really appreciate that manu what have you got going on this week apart from billions of football games and is there anything in particular you'd like to draw people's attention to yeah, so we have two previews for the CONCACAF Champions League coming up on Football Cidade. So we're going to do the Club America versus Saprissa game and the Toronto versus Colorado game. And then um, Champions League, a uh, big one for us on footballgrad.com is Shakhtar Donetsk against Roma. I was on the Roma podcast um, earlier this week, so that's actually already out. And then, of course, um, we're going to have a match report from, from that Roma Schachter Donetsk game. And then, of course, the Bayern Besiktas game. So match, Champions League match reports. And then, of course, Europa League match reports as well. Plus the previews, plus articles. Great article on, from Edin Sheko, uh, by Dami Kulash, um, new writer for the Football Grad Network, who has been publishing a lot of Balkan football. He wrote a fantastic article on Edin Sheko. Um, that came out this weekend and it's on footballgrad.com. So I want to give that a big shout out. But that's about it, Bryce. Um, you can follow me at Manuel Weff and of course, um, take a look out at footballgrad live for all these articles that I just mentioned. Uh, thank you very much. And yes, a busy guy as always. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11. Uh, yes, definitely get in touch, guys. We'd really appreciate it. But thank you for tuning in and goodbye. <laughs> 
It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.